Welcome to our show and thanks for joining us. This is Grateful Heart, the motivational Arizona real estate and business show. We're here to inspire you to believe in yourself, to dare to dream about your infinite and divine possibilities, to blow open your mind to creating your most abundant reality possible as our thoughts are so powerful. I found turning my own personal grief into gratitude raised my vibration to be in tune for receiving prosperity, health, and connecting to God's source. I'm your host, Rebecca Rains of Integrity All-Stars at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, and I have been selling homes here in the Valley since 1993. If you have any questions and are watching us live on our Facebook page, you can comment and we will do our best to answer while we are live on the show, so do not be shy. Today on our program, we have some great guests for you. Live from Phoenix, Arizona, it's the Grateful Heart Show with your host, Rebecca Rains. Good Monday morning, everybody. Welcome to our show. I have Joe Smith of Epic Mortgage sitting right here. Welcome, Joe. Hi, Rebecca. How are you today? So good to be back. <laughs> it's Monday. It's Monday, and it's been a busy Monday already because you know Joe was sitting there working really hard before we started, and I'm like, you know what? We should just start the show early so we can get on our day and get to work, right? And, and it's drop it and go. We're ready. We're doing it. We're doing it. So we might be a couple minutes before 11. Any of you guys that join in and maybe join in late, please feel free to to jump in with some questions. We are here to answer anything that we can. We have a great show for you guys today. Farai, why don't you go ahead and start my first slide for me so we can get right into it. Bidding wars are back and how to win them. All of my clients recently have either been in a bidding war if they're buyers or if they're sellers, most of them have experienced what a bidding war means for a seller. When was the last time you even saw somebody with one offer, one, like very rarely happens, right? Well, it's not so much that it's rare. The good homes that are show beautiful and priced right, they're getting multiple offers. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. The ones that have just one offer on the first day maybe aren't the shiny diamond. Maybe, they, maybe they're the diamond in the rough but real estate's back. So if any of you guys were thinking that the coronavirus was gonna take us down and prices were gonna drop, they dropped for a blink of an eye. Joe and I have some charts. So what we're gonna do today, before we get into anything, Joe, you know, we've been friends a long time. We've done real estate together for a long time. I met Joe trying to sell him a house like 15 years ago. I I don't even know what the number is. It's a long time. It's I I can tell by the gray hair. It's a long time. So 15 years ago, I tried to sell Joe a house and he did eventually buy one from me, but with my partner and he wanted to make sure that I wasn't stepping on anyone's toes. It was pretty cute. You know, he's a guy who, you know, upstanding all, you know, ever since I met you. So I want to go back and talk a little bit about Joe's beginning, because why should you listen to this guy sitting across the table from me? when it comes to mortgage loans. Yes, so. Why? I can tell you why. I, that's why I'm asking. All right, <laughs> so the the bottom line for us is we've got a lot of experience, which you need. Yes. We've got great rates, great fees, and at the end of the day, we're gonna get the job done with the best experience that you could possibly have. So that said, Joe is a mortgage broker today. Fry, please slide down the chart a little bit. All right, so Joe, you've been doing this over 20 years. You've worked for many companies. Many. And this past year, this is, I was kind of being facetious because there's a lot of reasons why to listen to Joe. And he's not just an upstanding guy, a smart guy. And so smart, in fact, he went off on his own with his partner, Elliot, this past year. Talk to us about the difference of a mortgage broker versus what you used to do? For about 20 years, we worked in what's considered retail mortgage, your big box bank style correspondent where there's a lot of marketing, there's a lot of tools, you have people at your disposal, you have a lot of uh, accessories to your business. And in our world, what you do is eventually you learn about all these accessories and all these tools. Mm -hmm. And then eventually somebody like me gets really good at this and we become a manager then we get really good at this and we become a retail person who, who handles maybe a whole state. Be careful with tapping right, the table before I, I, I might come after Sorry, you. Sorry, <laughs> So, So we handle a whole state. It's the Italian. It just, the, I know. The, the Can't hands. help it. So we handle a whole state and I made it that far. And then at the end of the day, what I, I really understood was I enjoyed working with my clients more than anything else. Right. So it's almost a natural evolution of a loan officer. We do a lot of loans, we get good at it, they they put us in charge, they put us into more charge, and then after doing all those things, depending on how high you wanna go, 
you determine what you really want to do. And if you can tell by the gray hair, I've done a lot of loans. So I'm in the process of, I don't want to say closing out my career, but not at all. But, but this is, but the, the closeout portion is another 20 years. And oh. this is what I want to do for the next 20 years. Sure. So we formed Epic Mortgage. Uh, my partner and I, Elliot Williams, Elliot's been with us for about 10 years or so. We've uh -huh. been partners doing our loans. So we just have great relationships and decided to get rid of all the frills. You got rid of all the overhead. Down. And we as did. a result of getting rid of the overhead, you were actually able to pass on the savings to your clientele, which I think is phenomenal because you can shop around. And when things got weird in the last two months, you were able to react a lot faster than folks I saw in the big box banks. We saw this happening with the, the dawn of the internet, mm -hmm. right? So everybody was going online and they'd look online and they'd see some crazy rate online. And then they'd call us and be like, but wait, I saw this crazy rate online. And now we have to explain how and why. And now with our new model of Epic Mortgage, we can now be part of those crazy online rates because we're so uh, consolidated. We don't have a lot of overhead. We don't have we don't have brick and mortar. We're, right. we're totally- Just like the online companies. Just like the online, we're, we're lean and mean and we can pass those savings on and still maintain our business, which is what our clients need after 20 years. Our clients are to that point and those are the people who generally refer us. They want great deals. So I think what's awesome about you, Joe, is you have come across this evolution. Not everybody gets good at doing loans. Not everybody yeah. finds themselves in a position where they can become their own broker versus working under a bank of some institution or some whatever. And because of this, you know, you have the hashtag brokers are better. Yes. And I do think it's because you get not just the best deal, but you still get somebody like Joe who knows, is knowledgeable and knows what he's talking about. Because if you go online to say Quicken or some of the other, you never even talk to a person, let alone a person with his caliber of experience. So I wanted to take today to kind of talk about Joe the person. Oh boy. And the whole evolution. This smells like pictures. <laughs> yes, it does. The whole evolution of Joe the person. So Fry, please slide down my first, my first group of pictures. Be nice, Fry. Okay, so stop right here. So yes, Joe and I met in 2005. I tried to sell him a house. Eventually he did end up buying it. And then what, just about three or four years ago, you helped me put on a grand opening party at my office with my husband. And these are two of our favorite clients that, um, I, you know, I, I had to share a picture with them because they're so cute. We have Kevin and Christy Moore. I even went to their wedding. You Two know, of my favorite clients and, I know. and a good, good, good friend of mine too. Well, what, and what, the reason why I love this picture is because you and I both are cut from the same cloth in the sense that we're kind of old school. I went through the same kind of progression where I realized 25, 27 years into my career, I really enjoy working with my clients direct. I'm not in the agent business. I'm not in the management business, even though I still do it vicariously with a lot of help, but ultimately I love hanging out with clients and becoming right. part of their family. Like I got to go to their wedding and I know you were invited to, you didn't make it to the I wedding, it. but I made it to the wedding. I send gifts. And yes, you did good. And, and another thing about Joe that I love is he does give back to the community. I actually went with him to do real estate Wednesdays and ring the bell. This picture I had to snag off your Facebook from like five years ago, yeah, Joe. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, I noticed that's not, not as much, ago. not as much gray. Not as much facial hair. Yeah, no, no. It's good. Not, we had a good time doing it too. I did have a cold at the time. Something really weird happened with a bubble out of my nose. I, <laughs> I still laugh about it to this day. But at least Joe can laugh at me across the table, and I'm totally good with laughing at myself. Trust that, me. That was a fun one. <laughs> but but the, the, the Real Estate Wednesdays is a great cause. It's a lot of fun. You, you have to be a social person. You have to be outgoing because right. at the end of the day, what we're doing is we're trying to grab money from people. I hate right. to say it, but just I'm looking for a dollar. For Salvation Army. Yeah. And they do amazing things to help people. And you know, every family I know has been touched by alcoholism, um, drug abuse, and I believe that they help place people that are out on the streets. They have times. amazing causes for a long, long time. Right. You see them in every single city. It's really an, an awesome cause. Well, and I know the Real Estate Wednesdays, the Callaways started, I love the Callaways. They, that's, they're the people that wrote the book. Um, clients first, and I know we both believe in that mm -hmm. wholeheartedly. Another thing that Joe does in giving back to the community is he's actually the coach of his son's team, 
and you're a big f baseball fan, it looks like. I've been the coach of my son's teams and many other teams. I love Chandler National Little League. I participated in that for 10 years, and that part of my life is actually over, and I'm super sad. Aww. As my kids get older, we're... we're Moving they're, on? They're, yeah, they're, he's not that small anymore, and he's he's this guy over here on, on the end. He's super cute. Super cute, and, and now he's super 13 and a half, so... Like I'm the, sorry. the kid, I know they're getting older, so the baseball is getting more fun. But I do a little less coaching because now they have real coaches and high school coaches. So, but it, it's still a passion, and I love to do it. I do, um, I do the PA spot at Hamilton High School football for. I heard, for, yes, and I love that. So. <laughs> You give me a microphone <laughs> and, it's and, I'm, over. and I'm good to go. And it's over. Joe is good to go. Okay, we slide down to the next group of pictures. Now, this again is his fault for not giving oh, me pictures ahead of time. That's me. <laughs> um, so, Joe Smith, yes, you are Italian. Yes, yeah, circa 1991. And, and you're from New York, right? It's true. Yeah, and so I, I took it that this was a family photo for Saint, or for uh, Thanksgiving Day. That is the Macy's Day Parade, and I have a, a bunch of friends back in New York who are NYPD. And, oh, that's so cool. Yeah, and, we, and a good friend of mine, he's a t detective down there, and what they do is on one side of the street, they have all the, the crowds and the people, mm -hmm. and then on the other side of the street is the friends and family <clears throat> of the first responders. So that he, is awesome. He got us front row, like on a corner. We had everything but concierge service, and it was amazing. You you can't you can't see it in that picture, but the floats were like we were walking by, high fiving the clowns. Oh, it was that's so, so great, cool. so great, and it was cold, and it was awesome. All the things you don't get in Arizona, we were getting that day. Well, and you know, I have to pick on you a little bit because I teased you before the show. The next image here is your partner yes. in crime. I cannot believe after stalking your guys' Facebook, I could not find one stinking picture of the that's two terrible. of you guys together. So we'll just pretend that's you next to Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm parting the ways? Yes. <laughs> parting the ways to loan closure? Right. So <laughs> Elliot does a lot of the stuff behind the scenes, I would say, and and you tend to be the one with the microphone sitting in front of you. Everybody deals with Elliot at some point in time, and, and I introduce him <clears throat> early in the process, and he's awesome at what he does as well. We're a, Great We're a, a great team, and we've been, we've got it nailed down. We know what we both do, and we know our roles, and we do them really well, and and it leads to uh, happy clients and repeat referrals and all the great things that come with that. I love it. I love it. Well, you know, I'm a big fan. So enough of the pictures, Farai. I think we're ready to yes, actually talk. Yes, Farai. Enough of the pictures. <laughs> okay, so stop right here. I was on the Cromford Report this morning. I'm a big geek. I like to study the stats. And Tina Tambor, the Cromford Report, is our local analyst. And she, for those of us who subscribe, we have some fantastic charts at our disposal to educate our clients and our sphere. And this one popped up as Daily Info Joe. And what I like about this is this actually has to do with the mortgage world. And I have a mortgage guy here who is the mortgage guy and knows his stuff. Like I already, people want to do business with people that they like and are respected and experienced. And here you are sitting in front of me. So help me understand what she's talking about here. What, what are we seeing on the mortgage world right now? So we're seeing a, basically a decline of rates. So the first line item is April 2020 saw the highest monthly prepayment rate in 16 year. So you'd like to think that everybody was paying off their mortgage and they're all free and clear, but that's not quite they're the They're refinancing. Case. They're basically refinancing. Okay. So, so almost everybody with a 4% <clears throat> rate or greater, mm -hmm. if they have the ability and, and the wherewithal to refinance, they're probably doing it right now. So it's creating a prepayment for all of those loans into new loans. So what about the people that during the Corona quarantine maybe took a deferment or you know did something with their bank? Now they have a late on their credit. They probably aren't able to take advantage of refi right now, right? You know, all these programs, they're good for what they do and for what you need, but you really have to learn. You have to understand what they're what they're really meaning when they say you can skip a payment. Right. You have to read the fine print because as we see in life, there's nothing for free. So if you think you're getting a great deal for free, there's probably some fine print. And you have to really make sure that it's the right thing for you. Well, we saw definitely a lot of delinquencies. Um, foreclosures are at a halt right now, only because they're not allowed to foreclose right now. We're still in that window. For right, for right for now. Right now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of things kind of up in the air, but for those people who can refinance, if you're above four or four and above, you should definitely be giving Joe a call or somebody else you know a call 
because it's kind of crazy not to take advantage. Call, call your mortgage person. If your mortgage person doesn't answer the phone, call me. So <laughs> What's your phone number? 602-741-4121. And he does answer his phone himself. I promise you Except that. for this hour. Except for this hour. Yes. So Fry, go ahead and slide down. Now this next chart I thought was really interesting because everybody keeps talking about, and hopefully actually just go ahead and stop right there, Fry, and let the audience see the screen. Joe and I can talk. But when I want people to be able to see the actual numbers on this chart. So I pulled this one up this morning and Joe said it best when he looked at it. What did you say? Do you remember? I said a lot of things. What did I say? You said people buy payment. Oh, yes. So explain what we mean by this chart yes. and why people buy payment. So, so if you look at the chart, we're really looking for how much it costs you to own that property. So the key for us is whenever we pre-qualify somebody in the old days, and I say old days, maybe 10 years ago, People would always ask, what can I afford? What's the most that I can afford? Because people were interested in, in getting the most, the biggest property that they can. 08 gave us a big dose of reality and people learned a lot. And now the question is, well, what payment do you want? And then we correspond that payment. So you can see they're using an example of 1300 and that's a pretty reasonable payment. I would say most people are looking for 1500 to 1600 is, is a safe payment. And amazingly enough, that corresponds closely with how much you can rent that property for. If, if not, it's a little lower. So that same property that you buy for $1,600, you probably rent for eighteen. Well, when I'm looking at this chart, what I what's sticking out at me more than anything is this goes all the way back to 2003, you guys. So we're looking at a chart from the last 17 years. And so during 2005 and 2006, interest rates were crazy high in comparison to where they are today. So for $324,000 home that was at the peak of the market back in 2006, that house cost $1,800 a month. Well, today's house at $333,000, it's coming in at $1,300. So you are actually able to buy a lot more house today for your monthly payment. And I believe that's a huge part of why in February, before anybody knew about Corona, we mm. were we had the lowest inventory of homes and we'd had in a really long time. And the sales were through the roof. Like we were having an early spring season and then all of a sudden everything, as Tina Timbor had said, got kinked in the hose. Yeah. Well, all that pent up demand has created bidding wars the last few weeks. Again. Again, yeah. So go ahead and slide down to the next chart for us, Fry. Okay, so stop here. Do you remember what you said on this chart, Joe? Oh, is this a quiz show? What yes. Is this? <laughs> okay, just so you guys know, we're just talking from December. And in December, I was talking about how busy I was. I was busy in December. When the coronavirus was at its worst and everybody was in the in the quarantine, we were considered an essential worker. I was still working and it reminded me my my business level was pretty much where I was at during the holidays. This chart showing was actually higher. But what has happened is this past week, we hit more homes under contract than we have all year. So to say that the coronavirus like killed our market, slowed things down, reduced the prices, we're just not seeing that today. Maybe we saw that a month ago. We, we, when it was all starting, you and I had a good conversation on the radio. Well, and this is what you were talking about. Yeah. You pointed out to the bottom. Uh, yeah, at the bottom. So we had a good conversation that this would create an opportunity. Right. So and the you did say that. And the opportunity was to not necessarily you weren't going to get like a crazy deal on your property, but you were going to get some buyers who backed out of the market. Mm -hmm. You were going to get some sellers who became maybe a little bit more motivated because they were scared. Mm -hmm. So if you had a buyer who was mildly aggressive and you had a seller who was mildly scared, you ended getting, you got a, a good deal on that one. And we see them right in there and they're closing right, right now. now, right now. So that would be like the third week of March through probably the third week of April. That's where we saw people closing today or that closed in the last two weeks that really got phenomenal deals. Yep. And so our pricing charts always lag the actual what's happening now. If you got a house during that time, high five yourself right now. Yeah, high five. You, you did great. David Lavolsi, if you're watching, you yes, did great. You did awesome. Uh, so go ahead and go to the next chart for us, Fry. I'm full of charts today. The second half of the show is not gonna be so full of charts. So this was just since 2015, and it just kind of reemphasized the same thing. Um, even in the last five years, 
we are doing phenomenal with our rates. Back in 2015, we're at 3.67, and today we're at 3.24 as an average. And yeah, it kind of climbed up a little bit there, but again, we're right back to. So I'm going to qualify it for a little bit, right? Because yeah. we look at the look at the rates: 3.67 in January 2015, 4.4 just a couple of years ago, 4.8 even shorter amount of time, and 3.2 in May. So. For the people who are out there who are looking for 2.5 or when, when is it going to get below two? I don't know that we ever get there. Right. So if you're waiting for that to refinance or you're waiting for that because I'm, I'm only going to buy when it's 2.2%, you may be left out. And never be able and to never buy. get there. <laughs> so you have to really be cognizant on, on how low that rate historically is. It's super low. And you got to remember in these rates, the banks have to make money. So right. This is all a business. The banks have to make money on these rates. So at a certain point, banks do not make money and they have to keep a margin in there. So it's hard to get lower than where we are. Well, and I remember having lunch with you during December of 18 and we were afraid that the following year we were actually going to go into the sixes and that didn't yeah. happen. And I don't know how much of that's politics and who's in office and any There's of that. There's always something. There's always something. And the next thing we know, they actually kind of tilted down. Then they went up a little bit. And right now we're seeing them at some phenomenal lows that, you know, you, like Joe said, if you're above four, you should take advantage. Okay. And that's partially, I think, why we've gotten so busy as well, because people are buying payments yeah. and they can afford more house than they have been able to for a long time. Moving up and selling and all that. For I go ahead and pass the next chart really fast because that was a mistake. Okay. So I got to stop right here. I'm getting a text from my daughter last night as I'm watching the news. And she's like, mom, you better go back to wearing your mask. So of course, this is where I have to ask you, Joe. I know you don't have a crystal ball. I don't have a crystal ball. But I have to ask you, if we start seeing coronavirus hit again, what do you think it might do to our market? And Fry, go ahead and slide down one more slide because I think it was our representative, Greg Stanton, who was talking about um, you know, we're just having more people testing positive right now for many reasons. Most likely we're just testing more too. I think we have a little fatigue. Mm -hmm. I think that people are, we're kind of, you can tell by the numbers in the housing market that we're, we're blowing past this whole issue of coronavirus. Right. Like we're, not that we're not believers, but it's not affecting, it's not, it's not bad enough for us to not buy houses still. In fact, I think more people are coming to Arizona than ever before as a result. I, I think what we're going to see across the country is mm -hmm. you're going to see the Californians. There's there's a percentage of people who are of retirement age who or, maybe had a plan to come out to Arizona and retire. Mm -hmm. And maybe this whole pandemic has sped up that process. Maybe they took a package at their big corporate job and now they're out and now they can go buy that house. And by the way, the rates are crazy low. And as expensive as our real estate may seem in Arizona. Right. Go to Northern California and look at what the real estate is or high-end places in Midwest. Well, or New I was going to yeah, bring up New York. I know somebody is paying 25,000 over list for one of my listings coming from New Jersey. Mm. And what I heard is because and I don't know that this is the case across all of that part of the country, but a lot of kids may not be going back to school in the fall. Right. And those families are like, oh, heck no, we need to get our family where the kids can go back to school. I don't know about you guys, but my teenager's been home since spring break and I'm over it. Like yes. if I might cry if I found out that she couldn't go back to school in July. Well, we're wait, just wait, I'm sending my kids to your house. <laughs> For ice, let's go down to the next slide real quick. Um, and this was just charts that I pulled up from, go ahead and, and zoom in on the screen so our audience can that's following can see what we're looking at. And all this is was the Cromford report was pulling up the um, acceleration in new cases for COVID. And again, you know, when we went into COVID last time, everybody was so scared. A lot of people sat on the sidelines. I don't know that I expect that to happen, but with the new cases coming out, I guess there's a potential some people might lose jobs again. If they right. went back to work, they may go back to being furloughed again. And so of course there's gonna be some fear of that. Fry, go ahead and go to the next screen for us. Go, yeah. All right, we can go ahead and stop here. So that said, I wanted to take, a, again, looking at charts for the long term. We're going from 2001 to 2020. And what this chart is showing from the Cromford Report is their predictions. The dark black line is the Cromford Index. And the blue is the actual pricing. 
I think what we're gonna see is prices are gonna start hitting higher because that's what's happening in the field. They just haven't closed yet. But we, we have a big gap towards 2020 where the prices didn't jump up quite yet, where the Cromford index has shot up. And I think that's just because Corona came along yeah. and kind of nipped it. Paused it. Paused it. But we do expect that that's gonna change. But it's just kind of interesting looking over from the last 20 years where we were, and I, I was doing real estate since 93, so I remember all of this, the crazy high, the crazy low. And we've been, you know, for the last five years, pretty stable overall, but this year, it went bonkers in January and February, much more so than it normally does. We took a ride in, and they're building houses as fast as they can. Oh yeah. So we took a ride just yesterday down. Go ahead and scroll down. Chandler Friday. Heights, and they were just building and building and building, and anywhere that there's dirt, there's sticks going up. Right. They they just can't get get. There's enough buyers and enough demand. Right. That, and it's going to continue to drive the price just the same. Well, and we're also getting our investors back to Arizona. Uh -huh. You and I have a client right now that we're talking with from California and, you know, people are wanting to come here. So it's just it's interesting to me. So basically the title for the Cromford report that we just are posting right now, is just talking about the frenzies officially back. And when we scroll down some more here. And I'm gonna post this on our website. Actually, I think it already is at integrityallstars.com. You can read the Cromford Report. What I thought was interesting, in the second half of our show, we're gonna get into this portion of it. A lot of my listings have had multiple offers. And I'm gonna tell the sellers what I'm, you know, what we're saying right here. Cromford even said it, that if you've been a seller who's been sitting on the fence about listing their home, you should seriously consider it now and take advantage of the market while it's hot. The spurt and buyer activity may peak very soon, and then fall into the typical seasonal decline, which usually means after Memorial weekend, we go down until the holidays. Well, in theory, kids are going back to school. Right, in theory, in theory. let's hope. So Fry, let's see this last chart before we're gonna go on to our commercial break. And when we come back from commercial break, I'm gonna give you guys my top tips. And Joe is part of this brainstorming that we did to come up with our list of how to win bidding wars. So if you find yourself loving a house and you wanna learn how to win a bidding war, or how to actually get one on the house that you have. We're gonna be talking about it after break, but real quick, this is what Joe thought was powerful. I think it's very powerful. Today, we have 16,000 listings active in the MLS. Some of those, actually 5,700 of them, actually have offers. So we are down to 10,000, barely over 10,000 listings active right now on the market. Last quarter, before coronavirus got crazy, we were at 11,000. This time last year, we had 16,000. So this time last year, we had over 30% more homes for sale than we do today. And the crazy thing, it doesn't take into account the amount of homes we've added. With the new build construction. With the new build. Yeah, so every year that, that percentage this is all goes, gets even smaller mm -hmm. because we're adding that many more houses into the market. So, so those numbers, they look small, but they're even smaller, relatively speaking, to what's out there. So we just got geeky with the charts. I know yes, it's probably I over, I, I know, me too. Um, I, I wanna point out one other thing on this. It shows right now our average monthly sales price of 357. It's the same number we had this time last month. It is actually $20,000 less than where we were last quarter. But I don't think it's gonna be there for long because I see the contracts we're getting on our houses today are actually over list price and that number will go up. So people who took advantage during the coronavirus that got saw the opportunity and acted, they did great on average. They made themselves 20 grand more on their house that they bought as a result, wouldn't you say? I agree. Awesome. All right, so I think we're gonna go to commercial break. For those of you guys who are just joining us, this is Joe Smith with Epic Mortgage, woohoo! And when we come back from break, we're gonna tell you guys all of our secrets. This is stuff that I can't- Maybe not all, all right. Uh, all no, all I'm right. gonna give well, them the list because okay. there's some good stuff in here. Obviously, you still need somebody who's experienced to make you win that open you know, bidding war. But I'm still gonna give you guys my top tips in case you're using another realtor. I won't cry. There's enough houses out there for everybody, or, or maybe not. I don't maybe know. We'll not. See. There's 10,000. I know. There's only 10,000. So, Farah, let's take a break. You guys listen to our cute little commercials real quick, and then we'll tell you guys all about it when we come back. 
Have you been thinking about buying a new home or refinancing your existing mortgage? Interest rates are still around historically low levels. Why pay a higher rate when you don't have to? Call Joe Smith at Epic Mortgage for a free mortgage quote or pre-qualification. Epic Mortgage is a locally owned, independent mortgage brokerage that provides low-cost options for its customers. Independently owned means low overhead so you can get the best rate, fees, and service. Keep more of your money. Brokers are better. Realtor recommended for over 20 years. Contact Joe Smith at Epic Mortgage today. 602-741-4121. Hi, I'm Rebecca Hidalgo Reigns with Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. I've been selling homes here in the Valley for over a quarter of a century already. I want to say that experience truly matters. So when you're looking for your realtor to help you either buy or sell your biggest purchase of your life, I hope you'll consider using me. However, my experience doesn't matter nearly as much as my clients' experience. I dare you to Google me. You'll see nothing but fantastic reviews because I truly care to help navigate you and your family to the very best experience you'll ever have with buying a home. Whether purchasing a home or refinancing, we know you have choices when it comes to choosing a title company. Lawyers Title is the leading source for all title, escrow, and marketing needs with access to the largest group of title insurance underwriters. Lawyers Title facilitates successful closings and protects clients from fraud, creating solutions that save time and money for everyone. Ask your realtor or loan officer today about using Lawyers Title on your next real estate transaction. Lawyers Title is a member of the Fidelity National Financial Family. Motivated for a minute. Uh, what do you mean for a minute? So welcome back, you guys. You guys just caught us talking smack on our <laughs> on our short little break, and I was just razzing Joe here, telling him that he needed to give me a, a real commercial. One of these days. It's on the list. It's on the list. He's just busy doing loans, guys. That's right. So just a reminder, we are on every station of podcast. If you guys are watching live right now on Facebook and you'd rather listen on podcast, you can tune in to iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, whatever. Or if you're a YouTuber, get on YouTube and subscribe to us so you don't miss any of our shows. You don't always have to catch it live since we are on so many other platforms. But that said, I promised we would get into what is at hand right now, bidding more. Get a pen. Get a pen. Fry, go ahead and start with the slide. So I found this image and I thought it really summed it up quite well. Now Joe goes to my office once a month with a group of other realtors and we do what we call uh, masterminding. We brainstorm. And the last mastermind everybody was talking about, and we're getting ready to have one this week too. So you're underselling it just a little bit. Okay. These are like, these are not just like a couple of little realtors. Betty Barracuda is not in this group. Uh Uh-huh. These are high powered realtors who do lots of transactions. These are very, very good agents, including yourself, by the way. Thank you very much. I appreciate that little plug there, Joe. So long story short, we brainstormed and we came up with a list of things that work to win bidding wars. So Fry, I'm gonna ask you to go slow and only do one at a time so we can really talk in depth. But before we get there, last weekend, I had a listing. You know the client, because you actually did the refinance. Their home was listed at 575, and we ended up with six offers and the winning person really did just about everything that was on this list that I'm gonna go over with. And I also won a bidding war Monday morning coming out of the show for really the same reason that I I actually follow what I preach. Now, the one thing I am gonna tell you is this past weekend, right before we went to break, I did kind of finish and I was reading what uh, Cromford Report had to say for the sellers. I didn't get as many bidding wars this weekend. So A, I had a couple of realtors comment, like how many offers do you have? We don't want to get into a bidding war. So people are getting frustrated out there. Both the listing or the buyer's agents and the buyers, they're getting turned off by the bidding wars. Um, And partially probably because they aren't winning them. So, you know, you get your heart broken a couple of times and then you end up with people sitting out on the sidelines. So I don't know how long these bidding wars are going to stay around, but it's good to have because guess what? My pretty homes that were just remodeled that are priced right are still going with bidding wars. So I just wanted to kind of set set the precedent that people are getting sick of bidding wars. We right work now. with buyers, right? That's mm-hmm. our thing. We work with buyers to get loans. And w- so we work with them on all their purchases and we know when they're trying to offer on a house. And we're still amazed on how many times somebody will get kicked in the shins before, before they figure it out on how, how to really effectively do this. Coming in low or asking for stuff like that's not going to fly right now it's totally not going to fly fry give us um tip number one okay and i say this all the time go ahead and slide down a little bit more i say this all the time and the smart agents get it they'll call me on the phone and they're going to be actually pleasant to talk to 
And I tell my agents this, like, so this whole thing was basically me writing it for my agents after our brainstorming session. I wanted to give them the things to do, make sure that they're doing it right every time. And, and my agents are really good at winning offers as a result of doing this. So you set the precedent and you sell yourself from day one why somebody wants to work with you. Joe's really good at this too. And what did I write on here is, um, I always find out up ahead of time if that listing agent, and we're all people, we all do things different. Some of them like escalation clauses, some of them handle multiple offer situations differently. So finding out what you can before you write your offer is gonna put you in a much better position. What's number two? Ah, this one I'll let Joe talk about, because I actually asked Joe all the time to do this for me. Oh, and, and I'm happy to do it because it, it just, when I get in there, and I get a chance to talk to the listing agent. We have a great conversation about the buyers and all our buyers are amazing. Of course. All of them. We love them all. We love them all. So I, I get the opportunity to tell the listing agent how incredible these buyers are. And conversely, I get to sell them on myself and Epic Mortgage on, on how we close deals well, on time, the, the right way with the proper communication. We do all the things that a listing agent will want and a lot of times we've actually worked with the listing agent before, which helps us again. Yeah. So we have a pretty reasonable name in the business right. and they see us and they feel confident that we're going to get it done. So to speak to that, one other thing on item number two that you didn't mention, Joe's just being a gentleman here. As, as a listing agent myself, if I see somebody coming in with a Bank of America, Chase, mm. Wells Fargo, the, any of the bigger banks or even credit unions that I know there's a lot of corporate bureaucracy that goes on and layers of cubicles. I'm going to much rather work with somebody like Joe from a brokerage or that at least it's local than one of those big bank institutions. And if you are with a big bank institution, I highly recommend you get pre-qualified with somebody who's local, who can operate faster and who's willing to on the weekend call and schmooze the other side. Because most of the time it's a Saturday, you need to get that phone call from your lender and the banks and the credit unions aren't answering their phones and, and they're certainly not going to do what we need our lenders to do it sets a precedent if you're willing to make a phone call on a saturday or a sunday right then you're willing to go to bat should the shit hit the fan because sometimes it does and you know that if they're willing to do this they're willing to go the extra mile in the transaction to make whatever needs to happen happen absolutely and i laugh just because joe said shit so i dying to, <laughs> dying to he do was dying it. to say something naughty on here um go ahead Brian. let's go to number three yay podcast right uh reduce inspection period and agree not to ask for repairs okay so i did this last week when i won my bidding war I reduced our inspection period to five days. We had to have our inspector on speed dial and we actually had to use a different inspector than our normal one because he was so busy. And I did tell the other agent that we weren't gonna ask for anything. And then this particular client, you know, threw me for a curveball and did end up asking. Unfortunately, they weren't very happy with me, but you know, I had to ask for forgiveness and they still made some repairs. So it doesn't mean- You can always ask. You can always ask. And that's what I basically told the other agent, like, look, I'm sorry. We, I knew we weren't gonna ask for anything. I tried to make it as easy to work with us as possible. I didn't intend to not be truthful. It was just some things came up on the inspection. My client didn't feel comfortable moving forward without at least asking, and they ended up agreeing to doing some repairs. So and long story short, just because you're in a multiple bidding war doesn't mean you won't necessarily get repairs done, but it may not hurt to tell them up front you're not looking to hammer them with repairs because they want to work with whoever's going to be the easiest, and they're going to pick you if they think you're the easiest one to work with. If you're, if you're a hassle, from the start, and I explain this to people who are working with lenders too. Right. If, if you're getting a hard time from the start, your whole transaction will probably go just like that. So if you have ease of transaction from right. the start, you'll probably get that the entire way through. Well, and that's what you know. From a listing agent and from a seller perspective, I say this all the time. I don't have a I don't have a crystal ball. I never know if I picked right for my client or help my client pick right until we close escrow because we have a whole month of things that can go wrong. Yes. We hope that they don't. But in the event that they do, you're hoping that at least you picked the agent that is experienced enough, knows their stuff, professional enough. That not their first rodeo, not right? Not their first rodeo. No, and this is definitely where working with an experience, I say it all the time, experience matters. Uh, go ahead and go to the next one, Fry, for us. Make earnest deposit non-refundable after the five-day inspection period. We have definitely seen some of this on one of my listings recently. Not my favorite. No, I know, and because you don't want to do that. But if you know you're competing against a lot of people, 
I had one release $5,000 to my sellers after the inspection. They had 10,000 in earnest, but that way my seller felt more comfortable going with them because they were willing to put their money where their mouth was. So just again, these are ideas of strategies. You may not use all 10, you might choose to use five of them, but you had you had another buyer with us that mm -hmm. they they even poured more money into Ernest. They actually put more money into Ernest than they needed to close. Yeah. So you could get another piece of negotiation done for your client. I'm trying just to look as strong as possible, so yep. they ended up getting money back. And um, ultimately, what a seller is looking for is who's going to perform. So, you know, you just try to come across the one I won last week. I know we weren't the highest sales price, but I did a lot of these other tricks that are coming up that put them in a position where the sellers like them best. And I did not waive the earnest money. Yes. I did not do that for them. But the next one, I'm pretty sure I did. Let's take a look. What's number five <laughs> for I? This I did. So what won it for my folks, the very first thing the seller said or the listing agent said to me was you guys gave our sellers post possession. That is why you won it. My clients were not willing to offer as much as I was trying to get them to because I knew we were going to go above list price and I knew I needed them to come in strong. So I said, well, you're tied up in a rental until the middle of August. Why not let them stay there while they try to figure out what they're doing? And the only reason I knew to even offer that is because I called ahead and found out they weren't even under contract yet. They had no idea where they were going. Asking questions, right? Asking questions and probing to try to figure out, work out the puzzle and figure out what's going to work to win this one. And in discovering um, the information, I realized, well, heck, for a seller, the best thing is to close escrow and then give, your, give them a month to go figure out where they're going to go move to. And that's why our clients won. Now, after the fact, they weren't super excited just because they kind of put the dollars to cents and realizing how much more that cost them. But it certainly didn't cost them the other 5000 I was trying to get them to offer. I think that freaks out a lot of sellers. They have to kind of throw their, their house on the market with the hopes that they're Gonna not going to be homeless. Not going to be homeless. Mm -hmm. They don't. Nobody really wants to double move. So no. if you can help somebody to avoid that double move, that cures a lot of ills for the for the seller. It really does, and it's a strategy that I've used many times. And on a lot of my listings, I'll tell my sellers like, "Hey, look, if it's close, we'll ask everybody who's offered who will let you guys stay here an extra month." And more often than not, it's the one that says, "Yeah, I can do that," and the sellers go with them. Yeah. So next next one on our list. Offer to pay the seller's closing cost up front um, and don't ask for warranty or HOA fees. Now this is just kind of no brainer, but it was very creative. I actually haven't done this yet, but we had a couple of gals in our mastermind group that are doing it and doing it really well, effectively. Instead of asking the seller to pay your client, or if you're the buyer, asking the seller to pay a home warranty or HOA transfer fees, as a buyer, you actually, instead of increasing your sales price, you offer, because there's appraisal concerns, we'll talk about that in a minute, uh, but you actually offer to pay the seller's closing cost. And that's a rarity and that's gonna get a seller's attention. It's different. It's not any, it's the money is about the same. It's sure. just a different approach, something they're not used to. You're you're putting something in paper that they're, they're not used to seeing and now it's a cool toy that they get to play with. Well, and it sets you apart. So the biggest thing is if you're in a pack of horses, you're gonna do anything you can to inch in front of everybody else and set yourself apart. And this is one that I, I think it's a good idea and it made it on our list. Uh, let's see what number seven is, Fry. Okay, so this is the one that makes Joe cringe. But we did have a VA buyer earlier this year and the only reason they won their house is because they were willing and able to waive their appraisal. A lot of times when the bidding war starts going above list price, like I list my properties where I know they'll appraise, and if somebody offers above list, then my concern is, are they just offering that, hoping it won't appraise, so it will force a seller later to do a price reduction? What do you see, Joe? Because you deal with appraisals all the time. This is your world. It's uh, amazingly enough on that one that you did waive the appraisal so we could get that. It did appraise. It did appraise. It did. But so, we didn't know if it would. But we didn't know if we would. But you kind of knew it would, right? So yeah. you, you don't want to put anybody in a bad you don't. No, I they, would never put somebody in a bad position, but, but it was a VA buyer. Appraisals are known. And they putting to, money down like it was good. Yeah, as long as they can back it up. You don't ever right. want to put yourself in a position where you're offering more than you actually can perform on. And if you're gonna do a down payment that's at least 10 to 20%, odds are you can waive your appraisal. or do what's called an appraisal guarantee. Have you seen that very much? I haven't much? seen the guarantee. So I've been seeing I stay the away from the word guarantee. I know you do. Not my favorite. Well, so what an appraisal guarantee is, it's different than appraisal waiver, 
is an appraisal waiver just says, hey, whatever it appraises for, we don't care. And you're actually getting appraisals waived anyway. Sure. We're seeing that a lot where the buyer, what, what, By what? Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, they'll, they'll look at the transaction as a whole mm-hmm. and they'll determine that your sales price is within a, a acceptable range. Uh-huh. And then they'll say, okay, we're good enough. So good enough. So that means a lot because this happened. I think the first time you had, I had the cutest first time home buyer. Oh my gosh, he lived at home. Um, Diane Nisa's son. You remember mm. him? He stayed at home. He had a bunch of money in the bank. Huge FICO scores. And Joe calls me. He's like, they just waived his appraisal. I'm like, what? They did? And this was a couple years ago. And yeah. I like so the banks can waive them. So if you know you're you're likely to have a client whose bank may not even order one anyways. This is going to make the seller feel a lot better if you're offering above list price. And we know, generally speaking, at our approval process that we have the appraisal waiver. So we we know within the first four days of being under contract. So is it only about the borrower, not so much about the property? It's a, the property plus the borrower. Right. So if the borrower has, if the borrower is putting down a decent amount mm-hmm. and if they have high credit, they have low debt. If the overall package of the loan looks good, uh-huh. you're more apt to get that waiver. Okay. Well, fair enough. So if it gets waived or you think there's a chance it'll be waived, or your client puts enough money down, waiving it is no concern. But on occasion, I had I just listed my mom's house in Mesa, 300,000. We listed it on a Tuesday. By Thursday, I had eight offers mm. and the price drove up to 321. I wanted to shoot myself in the head. Seriously, the person who offered the 321 didn't even open up escrow. So people get emotional and stupid during these bidding wars. Highest and best. Yeah. And so I asked for highest and best. So they offered a number that they weren't willing to pay. Well, yeah. They, I mean, they said they were. They waived their appraisal. So I ended up going with the offer number two at 310. I'm happy. We just met the appraiser this morning. They didn't, what they did is they did an appraisal guarantee though. So what they said is $5,000 above appraised value, they promise they will pay out of pocket because this gal was putting, I think like 5% down, but she had it in the bank. So I said, hey, if you're gonna offer 10 grand above list, I want you guys to guarantee the 10 grand. And they said, well, tell you what, we'll we'll guarantee you five. Worst case, your mom will end up with 305 if it doesn't appraise above your list price. But if it does appraise above your list price, you're gonna end up with whatever plus five. We were good with that. Again, we listed at three. So anything above three, she was, win. she was, yeah, she was totally happy with. So that's the difference with an appraisal guarantee versus waiver is you're just guaranteeing that you're going to pay X number of dollars above whatever it appraises for. We have a lot of questions from our buyers. They'll ask us all the time, what do you think about waiving the appraisal? And I, I explain, and I, we work with great agents. So mm-hmm. I explain that your agent would not put you in the situation if they didn't believe in the price, right. if they didn't see it themselves. Right. That it was a high probability because sometimes, sometimes an appraisal, it's one person's opinion, an oh. appraisal. It's just one person's opinion. So, sorry, I'm banging on the desk, Roy. So, <laughs> very animated with that. So, so, it's one person's opinion. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that opinion is not your opinion and no. you can come in a little short. Not that the next time, like the next time you go to sell, it's not I the hate- value you wanted. But- I- I had one a couple years ago, within three weeks, two different appraisers, $65,000 difference in value. And this was for a house that was under 700. I think we listed at 675. The first guy did 610, second guy did 675. And again, it's it's in a person's opinion of value. So ultimately, in my opinion, the buyers determine the value. And the, and the buyers do name dictate the prices. So right now, that is kind of the name of the game if you have multiple offers. I have one that I listed in Scottsdale over the weekend. The two offers we got were both above list and both of them I asked to either do an appraisal waiver or guarantee and we'll see when I get out of the show if either of them did it. I don't you, know. You have to trust your agent. Your agent, if if they're saying you should pay 340 for that house, they should be able to show you why, why 340. So that reminds me, and I don't know if our client's gonna be watching, but he'll know we're talking about him. We have a client who fell in love with the home at 840. Mm. I know this client. I know you know this client. And I said to him, I said, you know, odds are it'll probably appraise at eight. But if the appraisal gets waived anyways, let's go for it. Because that is why the seller chose him is he did waive the appraisal because he wasn't going to need to get an appraisal. And he's putting like hundreds, hundreds of thousands of dollars down. So ultimately didn't even matter. Wasn't going to impact it. Right. So him and his wife loved this home and they had such spectacular upgrades and things that if you tried to replace the house, it would cost you the 840. 
but an appraiser doesn't always give you dollar for dollar right. on your upgrades. So if a home is extra stellar and a seller agrees to pay for it, well, guess what? The minute that closes, that just set the new comp in the comp, neighborhood. Right. So, your, na- your neighbors love you. Your neighbors you're, absolutely love you. You're the most popular guy in the, in the place. Everybody's, but you know, and there's always the fear that you're going to be the one that's too expensive. But ultimately, if you like what you like, and we're only here for so long. I mean, I, I say this all the time that be happy with whatever you're doing and enjoy it. And I kind of had that conversation. I'm like, I, I did too with ha- him. Happy wife, happy I life. I said the same. I said, go for it. What are you, you going to do? How many times are you going to do this? Because he, he, he hated that he missed out on another spectacular listing of mine. And he would have paid more than what the person who ended up getting it got. It just timing didn't work out for him on that house. And I'm like, you don't want to kick yourself. And I know he's super excited and he's going to love that house for years. And the end of the day, does it really matter if you love your home and you're there for forever? Right. It matters. This is what I told him. Like, if you call me in a year to sell it, then it might matter. Right. But if you're going to be here long term, it's not going to matter at all. That's right. You got to live somewhere yeah. and your house is the most important piece. I agree wholeheartedly. So if you're listening, I think you got a great house. I don't care that you paid maybe a little bit more than you should have. We got you. We got you. <laughs> we we got got you. you. And your wife's going to love you forever. All right. So next one. Offer, oh, wait. We talked about that. We have the appraisal. Include an escalation clause. So, Joe, what do you think about escalation clauses? Because I know I'm not the hugest fan, but I'll use them if I have to. You know, I like the others a little better, but... If that's what that's what it takes to win the deal, you're, okay. it depends on you know what your threshold for pain is. So what an escalation clause here, and this is where I think you have to couple it with waiving the appraisal, mm-hmm. is okay. Your house might be listed at five hundred. I love your house. I'm going to offer you five oh five with an escalation clause in case somebody beats me out by increments of five hundred dollars. I'll go all the way up to five twenty five. Well, when I, as a listing agent, receive an escalation clause, if it's not supported with an appraisal waiver or guarantee, it's pointless. then to me, it's monopoly money. Right. And I say that all the time because I want to be able to count on whatever number I'm telling my seller, not, hey, we're going to throw up the wall and hope the appraiser is a cool one and not a conservative one. Never and know. You just don't know. So next one we have, number nine for I. Okay. And so this is where I'm going to let Joe talk about this one because um, we have to be kind of careful. Number nine. So cash is king, right? So mm-hmm. everybody loves cash. And I'll tell you, if you're a seller, cash is not always the best option because a lot of times people who bring cash, they're very proud of themselves for bringing cash. And sometimes they blow in and then they blow right back out just the same because they got cash and they can go anywhere with that cash. That was my 321 in my mom's house. Oh, see? Yeah. So he just, you know, as fast as they're in, they're on to the next. They see something better and, and they keep it moving. Yeah. So the next piece is conventional. So conventional means you're getting a loan at your your standard vanilla, 20% down, 10% down, whatever percent down. The loan is 510 or less. Something, yeah, 510, exactly, 510, 400 or less. And then you get, you just get your run of the mill loan. And we do probably 75%, if not 80% of our loans are of the conventional variety. 30-year fix, 15-year fix, that kind of good stuff. Then we get into our first-time homebuyers or our vets. Now, again, I think this is a huge disgrace because I think the vets should get a priority when they make an offer on a house, to be honest with you. But unfortunately, a lot of listing agents and sellers don't look as favorably to FHA or VA loans. Why is that, Joe? It's it's a huge uh, misnomer. There's no reason, honestly. At the end of the day, I've never seen a house not close because it was an FHA or not closed because it was a VA. But isn't it harder to qualify? Like those people are put into the bucket that they maybe are struggling, so something's more likely to go wrong on one of their loans? It's different. I wouldn't say it's harder. It's just a different qualification. I'm playing devil's advocate so here, you by could the way. Be, you, you know all these answers. <laughs> so you can have a 660 FICO, uh-huh. which is not great for conventional, but it's a sweet spot for FHA. Right. And it's no problem for VA. It, it's You get the same rate at 660 as 740 on FHA. Well, I think the thing that I notice the most is the most common is on an FHA or VA buyer, a lot of times they're trying to come in with as little money out of pocket. Zero down for VA. Doesn't mean you have to go zero down, um, but you can. And FHA is 3.5%. So a lot of times when it's not as competitive as it is today, those are the same buyers that are asking for sellers to pay closing costs, warranties, transfer fees. And if you're competing for this beautiful gem of a house, 
odds are the seller is not going to look favorably to somebody who's asking for closing cost concessions. Right. Historically, that's who falls into those categories. But then at the same time, we had a VA buyer who bought a, a house for $800,000 and used their VA financing. It happens. And, and no problem. Well, we weren't competing for that house. Right. But I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, but and the VA deal, it no. flew right through with, that, with with non-issue. Well, in fact, we had the appraisal super fast. Yep. And it went really well. And there was, and I think that's just, it, it's because it's that misnomer. Yeah. They just get that reputation. So if I'm looking at my uh, spreadsheet with multiple offers and I'm trying to help my sellers determine who to go with, if you're FHA or VA, it doesn't have, doesn't mean that you can't get the house but you probably don't want to ask for closing cost consideration. And your lender has to be professional, Yeah. right? The lender you, has to know what they're doing on these loans. You have to do everything else on this list. Be, it has to be correct. Let's just say that it's that important that you need to do everything else on this yes, list. Yes, everything. Everything. You got to overcome cash conventional. Yeah, and if you're going to be FHA or VA, I recommend that you don't do it with one of the bigger bank boxes or ba bigger bank box banks. I don't know. However, you know what I'm talking about. You, you know just, you know who they are. Yeah, you know who they are. You, you want to use a guy like Joe who's going to be calling and schmoozing and helping guide you through this and, and giving confidence to the listing agent that he's going to perform because it's all about performing at the end of the day. Okay, and this is my silver bullet. This truly is how I win most of my winning offers. Go ahead, Fred. Drum roll, anyone? Drum roll. Wait for it. Keep going. You can keep going. You can keep going. You can keep going. Okay. So this part, I get all the time letters. I get pictures. I get all of that all of the time. And they work when somebody else doesn't do it. But my favorite, and I know it's no surprise because I'm on video all the time. My favorite, and I win almost every time we do this. If I can get, while well, I'm out showing the house, my sellers, I'm sorry, my buyers in the house, and I should have actually played the one that oh. our folks are doing their appraisal on today. Uh, just last week, I won out of six people, and they had, were a contingency. They had a house to sell, and we didn't even talk about that, so we do need to talk about that mm. before, we, before we get out of here. Uh, if you have a contingency in homes to sell, we have to talk about that whole thing because there's a strategy like Joe a three has. three hour. It, it, it really is. Next. It really is. But what I got them to do is inside the house, in the family room, I'm videoing them. I'm like, why do you love this house? And they're like, oh my gosh, this view. And oh, my, I wouldn't change a thing. And I'm so-and-so from Alabama. And I this is my wife. And we love it. And our grandkids. And this, you know, like they just go on and on. And it's hard for a seller not to connect with that. So if you guys are watching and you want to know how come I win so many bidding wars, that really is one of my main strengths. And and if you don't think the listing agents will appreciate it, he actually he actually sent back a video in response. Yeah, that was so, pretty cute. So Rebecca hit him square on to what he appreciated and what he liked. Mm -hmm. And I'm guarantee you that that he he saw what he what what he liked and he made that deal happen. He made that deal happen. I mean, adding humor and being sweet and nice and all these other things help. I'm telling you, you if you at least use half of the things on this list that will help. You're way ahead. You're way ahead than what most agents are doing today. That's where using somebody who's experienced and who knows how to navigate these waters is huge. And it's not just the agent, it's the lender too. Um, but I did not put on this list, and this, I can't believe we put, didn't put this on this list. Um, people that have homes to sell, if you're competing and you have a home to sell and you cannot buy the next house without selling the old one, Joe, so there's there's a few different we 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 do great with this the contingency so you do. you do awesome at selling it and i have a lot of agents who do really well at overcoming the contingency like well i need to sell my house first because again no seller wants to be homeless no seller wants to be nobody homeless. wants to do a double nobody wants to do the double move mm -hmm. it happens but nobody wants to do it right so a lot of times we'll see if the buyer can actually qualify for two loans and depending on how good the buyer is there are certain instances where mm -hmm. they, they can qualify for two loans. They don't even so recognize that they B. could do that. Right. And, and we say, here's an op. If, if we need to, we can go this route. Mm -hmm. But we know there's a very high probability that the listing agent is going to sell that property. Right. But if, for whatever reason, we don't, we can buy the house and they can qualify with both. And then ultimately what we do is we have what's called a recast option. Uh, a lot of banks have it, and they will allow you, let's say 60 days later, you get all your finances sorted out, and now you want to transition your money mm -hmm. into the new loan to have it look like 
the loan that you wanted to do, you can make that happen. So it's called a recast. It will allow your buyer to have the same terms. Let's say they get a, a great 3% rate today and they want to put down an extra 150,000 because they finally right. did sell that house and they closed on the money. They can change their loan via recast to absorb that money, keep the 3% and lower the payment. So instead of spending the money to refinance the house. Don't refinance. You just recast it. Yes. And it's simple. I've had clients do it with Joe before and it's a wonderful way to not have to come in with a contingency and close on the next house and then list yours after you've moved into the new one. I mean, it's just simpler for everybody if financially that makes sense. It may not work for everybody. Not for everybody. But if it works, oh my gosh, now when you're competing, you don't you're not the one with the house to sell. And that takes one of the objections off. So I hope you guys watching, if you've been beaten out on bidding wars um, and you want some guidance, I hope this has been helpful. I actually sent this list to my cousin in Washington yesterday because she was competing did you, for did a it, house. Did it blow her mind? I, she's, like, she's like, we didn't do any of this. I, I No, she goes, well, I already did the letter. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. There's uh, so much more than just doing the so letter. so 2010. Right, right, right. Well, hey, and I'm not going to take credit. I didn't think up the uh, video. I was a young kid on one of my listings probably five or six years ago sent me the video and my girl my seller just cried and she's like just tell him how much he needs to spend and he can have it you know uh so, <laughs> so i'm telling great. you guys it's gold gold it's my gold i'm sharing it with you if you're watching if you've bothered to watch the show this entire time and waited for that gold nugget you got it you run with it use it enjoy it that's the winner and um i think we're done with the show anything what? else yeah i know it goes super fast when Always. we're talking yeah anything else you want to add besides have a good week you guys have a good week you guys all right well that said i think we're ready for our closing don't forget guys if you like podcast or youtube you can follow us there as well um, and have a fantastic week thank you so much <laughs> what a great show and thank you for joining us on our mutual journey to becoming unharmable and successful in all of our experiences while we're here in this school of life we hope you enjoyed it. If you watched us on YouTube, please like and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Likewise, if you're catching us on one of our podcast platforms, be sure to follow us so you never miss out on another one of our shows again. Remember that if you ever have a question about real estate or any of the other topics we cover, check us out on the web, www.gratefulheart.tv, for all of our links to connect with us. Otherwise, we'll have another show for you again right here next Monday at 11 a.m. Arizona time. I'm on vacation every single day Cause I love my occupation Hey, hey, hey I'm on vacation every single day Every, every single day